Greetings, Earthlings. This is Born to be Mild, and I'm your host, Kelsey. Consider me your resident overthinker, your professional cynic, and a massive self-critic. From interviews to audio diaries, let's consider Born to be Mild our space to explore all of the things inside and outside the comfort zone, exploring life, especially the messy bits. This is Born to be Mild. So I did this whole podcast episode about my productivity systems for the year and how I felt like those have helped me like really unload some of the cognitive load. And then it made me think, what an amazing episode idea. Let's just talk about cognitive load because that is a hot button phrase in this household. (laughs) It's a phrase I'm sure my husband is so sick of hearing. Like he is so tired of hearing about cognitive load. He ruse the day my therapist mentioned this phrase to me because I heard it and I latched onto it and I love it. I wanted to do a podcast episode about this because I have to be so honest that in the spring and summer of 2021, and it's like funny, but it's not, but like I literally was looking at my marriage and looking at him Like, I would sit across the table from him at breakfast and actually think, oh my God, can I do this for the rest of my life? And I love him. Like, I love my husband, but I just feel like during that time, I was drowning. I was doing the absolute most and I, it was bad. Like, I just really had moments where I would look across the table and go, oh my God, this is my whole life. Can I do this for my whole life? The backstory of that time period is we had just gotten a new puppy. So we got Lemon, who is our now like over two years old golden doodle. And yeah, we brought her into the home early 2021. I think like January of 2021. I had the puppy blues. That was a rough time. Big adjustment. She was a ton of work. We had just bought our first home. So we bought the home in October of 2020 and moved in like literally our wedding anniversary weekend, November 29th of 2020. So we had just gotten the house, just gotten this puppy. There's like 8,000 more things to manage in life when you have a house versus an apartment. Like things break, they need maintenance. We can't just live in a house with no fucking furniture. Like who's spending hours researching and shopping for nightstands and a dining room table Like, I don't, you see all those memes online of like single men that literally have like a couch and like a fold out table and that's their furniture. We can't live that way. Like, that's not why we bought the house. We bought the house to like have a family. So all of a sudden the to-do list was just like really long. And I was thinking about 5 million things that needed to be done that it was just like never even on the table for us before all of this. There was just way more to fight about. And that's where this phrase, because of course I would go to therapy and I'd bitch about my husband. What else do wives do? I would go and I would talk about it. And that's where this phrase of cognitive load was introduced to me. So generally the cognitive load theory, if you just Google it, it's a theory about learning built on the premise that since the brain can only do so many things at once, we should be intentional about what we ask it to do. But the thing is, is that in the context of just being a human and being alive and having a relationship, you know, that variety, what cognitive load is, is all the shit that needs doing that's in your head. 
So groceries don't just appear in the fridge, magicked there by a chore fairy. Like someone had to open that fridge and see that it was empty, and they had to then think of all the meals they would cook, and then they had to make the grocery list, and then they had to actually acquire the groceries. So that's actually quite a lot to think about when you think about it. When I was researching for this episode, I actually found a 2021 New York Times article entitled, Why Women Do the Household Worrying. (laughs) So Jessica Gross writes, the way I usually describe cognitive load in my own life is I can't make my husband start thinking about summer camp in January or when we're running out of refills for the soap dispensers. In other words, I can't export my brain to him. In most aspects of domestic work, we are fairly equal. I probably do more housework and he does more childcare, but we feel good about our balance, and yet the mental load is more on me. So that was always my gripe. He would be like, hey, I go get groceries. What are you complaining about? I do so much around the house. I do the dishes. And I'm like, dude, the dishes is like the very end of the (laughs) food-making task. (laughs) Because here's the thing. Often, our to-do list chores actually have multiple subtasks underneath them. So a lot of chores, especially when it comes to family planning and managing a house together, they involve a ton of pre-planning. So let's just take my cognitive load for us having a baby, for example. That's massive. As soon as I saw that positive pregnancy test, my brain went through a massive list. Like it just started generating all of the shit that would need doing. Scheduling doctor's appointments, making a registry. Uh, Don't even get me started on the subtask for making that registry. You have to research what the hell goes on the registry. And that's like product by product. So (laughs) that was like a full-time job. Building out the nursery, which involved 5,000 micro steps. We had to move my husband out of that room because that was actually his office beforehand. We would need to get it professionally cleaned because it had carpets. Uh, We actually ripped it out and put in wood flooring, which was his idea. So great job, honey. Uh, But then we had to research and order furniture. You have to assemble the furniture. You have to decorate the nursery. Then it's like, what clothes do we need for this kid? What other supplies? Do we need to take labor and delivery classes? What about infant care classes? Got to pre-register at the hospital, pack a hospital bag, install the car seat, wash the damn newborn clothing, and guess what? There's newborn-specific detergent. Got to research that, too. Like, prepping for a baby is a full-time fucking job with a thousand microtasks. And all of that, all of that was in my head the second that pregnancy test was positive. And my husband had no visibility to it. We'll get to that beautiful part of the story. We actually have not fought really at all during this process. But I think it's because we had a trial run with the puppy. Like, I very much treated bringing lemon into the house the same way I would have with a baby. Like I researched all of the gear we would need. I researched, I even just researched what dog in general would be good for our lifestyle and our family. And then I had to like, you know, find where we were going to get her from and then actually go through that process, right? There's paperwork involved there. And then you bring her home and it's like, okay, now I, now she's screaming and crying. Like, how do I feed her? How often do I feed her? Who's her vet? What appointments need happening? What about training? Like, I want to make sure she's well-trained. Also, like, every life experience she has is because we give it to her. So, like, what can we do with her? What activities? What classes? So I treated it very much the same way, and I think I took on so much of that, that load. And then I became resentful of the fact that he wasn't also doing that. 
Like, why aren't you thinking about all of the things that need to be done with this dog? Why aren't you thinking about X, Y, Z? And so when he would come down the stairs and say, oh, how can I help? Ooh, mm, those words. I can't stand the how can I help. It's half your dog. I don't know. Look around. What needs doing? Do it. But it's not like fair to think that way when I'm the one that, you know, has this list in my head and I'm not getting it down into a place where he can see it or acknowledge it. Or at least that's how I feel at this point. Like, I don't always expect you to be thinking 8,000 steps ahead. Maybe you're not that person and that is what it is. But that's where the resentment comes in, I think, is because I have this list and I feel, quote unquote, feel like he's not helping me through it. This brings me to the main point, which, you know, I try not to like genderize things. I try not to get like stereotypical e about things. But there seems to be, statistically speaking, a male and female difference in this conversation. So if we go back to the New York Times article, you know, the summer camp example, anticipate is realizing we need to start thinking about options for the summer before they fill up. Like there's multiple steps to these tasks, I guess is what this article is saying, right? Like, you know, the wife says she knows her kids need to get into summer camp and she's thinking about it. When did it say? Let's see. Yeah, I can't make my husband start thinking about summer camp in January. Well, okay. So if we go back to that, anticipate is realizing we need to start thinking about options for summer before they fill up. Identify is looking into the types of camps that will suit our family's needs. And then decide is choosing the camp. And monitor is making sure the kids are signed up and their medical forms are sent in. So it's like this one task of summer camp has anticipate, identify, decide, and monitor. And the article quotes a researcher who conducted in-depth discussions with 35 couples and found that the two parts of the process that are most heavily imbalanced are anticipate and monitor. Women do the vast majority of those steps. Identify and decide tend to be done by men and women jointly. So the author talked to the scientists who did the study and tried to be kind of like, you know, how do parents equalize this cognitive labor? How do couples equalize this cognitive labor? And basically, here's what they kind of came up with. So first of all, the act of putting an item on the agenda seemed to be overwhelmingly something that women were doing, as well as on the back end, following up once decisions had been made. And that was true for all domains of life. So, you know, household maintenance. Like, it was pretty clear to both parties that the man was ultimately the one responsible for clearing the gutters, but it was the woman who noticed that that needed to be done, and she was also the one following up to make sure it was on the calendar. Women's antenna seemed to be constantly up and looking for these things, whereas men were often very happy to help once their partner had alerted them to the issue, and they might have gotten to it eventually on their own, but women were consistently getting there first and either doing it themselves or saying, hey, this is the thing you need to handle. Are you thinking about it? So the $1 million question is, what do you do about that? Like, what the F is the solve? So this researcher, the scientist, says... Being explicit about what each of those tasks entails and including both the physical and cognitive labor in it is important. So if one partner is in charge of laundry, does that also mean that they're responsible for monitoring the supply of detergent? Sometimes you have to get really granular and agree on what's a shared standard of acceptable practice. There was mention in this article about this book, um, Eve Rodsky wrote a book called Fair Play. 
And the article praises it, says it does a nice job of, you know, talking about that when you're assigning tasks, you have to assign not just the chore, but the whole thing. So again, thinking about groceries, right? It's like if I'm in charge of groceries, am I also in charge of, you know, meal planning and making the list and getting the groceries? Because that was definitely part of the argument with him. He's like, well, I go get groceries. And I'm like, who made you the damn list? Like, you're literally at the store texting me saying, is this the right brand of rice? So, you know, where I still have the cognitive load of that, even though I'm not the one at the store. So I do understand the concepts that were in this fair playbook. My PSA to all of my own listeners is that I I tried to read it. I actually got about 50% of the way through that book. And I, as somebody who was newly married, because I did read it around this time of puppy blues and you know early 2021, and I found it really hard to read. Um, so even though I agreed with some of the principles of the cognitive load and assigning the whole task, it just was like there were a lot of women in that book that were being quoted and they were decades into their marriage, okay? Much, much further ahead than us with much more resentment. And I had a hard time reading that because it felt like it was poisoning the well for me. Like, I'm not there yet. I'm just trying to identify the problem and how to talk to it. I don't actually hate him yet, so I don't need that part of the book. Um, So that's my PSA if you pick that up. I was just nowhere near that stage, so I just some of it felt like poisoning the well to me. But I will say the principle holds true, that each task has micro tasks. And to be honest, I think it's been helpful for us to understand that because it means that when we talk about what needs doing around the house, we talk about all of the steps involved. Look, I'm no therapist, and I don't have a guest for this episode, so, you know, it's a short one. But all I can tell you about cognitive load and the impact here is basically we're speaking the same language now in this house. And, you know, when we were filling out paperwork, actually, to talk about, (laughs) talk with our doula and even scheduling, I scheduled a newborn photo shoot for after the baby's born. And one of the things that that photographer asked was like, what do you want your photos to show? Like, what do you want to highlight? And I felt really good because I got to write this paragraph about how, you know, I actually feel like this time has made us way closer. And I was scared for it beforehand. Like after the puppy blues debacle, I was thinking to myself, oh God, (laughs) I'm the one that's pregnant. I'm the one that has to go through this. Once again, women do way more than men. Ma, 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 ma. You know, like I, I was ready to get up on my soapbox. And I'm at the end of this now and I'm realizing like I couldn't have done it without him. Like we are 10 times closer now than we were before this. And I think it's because we figured out this key that we're speaking the same language about how we want to handle household things together. And even though pregnancy, I physically am the one carrying this and going through this, it is a shared task and it is a shared life experience. I love that he now knows that I am prone to being stressed about stuff like this and that cognitive load is a thing for me. So I'll verbally say, wow, I'm feeling really anxious about all the things that need doing around the house. Like I'm looking around and I see 800 things that need doing. And his answer now is, what do you see? What's on your list? And, you know, okay, it's fine that he hasn't thought ahead of all. He doesn't see the same things I'm seeing, but because we're speaking the same language and he has the visibility to that and can talk to me about it, all of a sudden the load is a lot lighter because I'm able to share that and he's able to take some of that on. 
that's all I have for you guys on this topic, but I just wanted to name it and I kind of wanted to point it out. And if you are somebody that is feeling like you do a lot and the other person also feels that they're doing a lot, but for some reason you can't agree, this might be the problem. It might be because somebody has cognitive load baked into, you know, the weight on their shoulders and the things that they're quote unquote doing. And the other person might not be aware of it or might not be owning the same amount of that piece of it. So unlocking that language and the way you talk to each other and that shared bit of the mental energy, I swear it's a game changer. Thanks for listening to this episode of Born to be Mild. Don't forget to leave a rating and a review and subscribe.